Hello, everyone, and welcome to Call Your Hits, a Stormriders Airsoft podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Phil. And I'm Pat. And today we're continuing where we left off last week, this time tackling a more sensitive topic for some. Is longer actually better <laughs> when it comes to airsoft guns? Both Pat and I have used airsoft guns of a variety of different types, that is AEGs, GVBRs, bolt actions, and of course sidearms, of varying lengths, from extremely short SMGs, such as MP5s and P90s, to full-length long-range rifles, such as the L96 Arctic Warfare Platform, and many, many others in between. Today we're going to talk about our journey with barrel lengths, our reasons for selecting the ones that we did when we did, and where we are now, as well as the mechanics of how barrel length actually affects your airsoft gun's performance, not just its ergonomics. So we're going to start off by talking a little bit about sort of the mechanical and technological function of the inner barrel in your airsoft gun and how that interacts with accuracy. A really common misconception amongst airsoft players is just, yeah, the longer barrel I can stick in my gun, the more accurate my gun will be and the better that will be for me. That doesn't necessarily work out to be the truth, partly because, as we talked about last episode, your air seal parts and a bunch of the other functionality of your gun has a significant impact there, but partly because, uh, and this is not a thing necessarily that every airsoft player is aware of, different internal components do need to be matched to your barrel length for optimum performance. We're not saying here that, you know, a tight bore barrel and a longer barrel will not improve your accuracy. They absolutely will. However, it's part, as we said before, it's part of a system, right? There's a lot of stuff going on. And in point of fact, if that's the only thing you do, as Pat and I are going to explore today, if that's the only thing you do, you're probably not going to get the return on the investment that you think you're getting. So I want to talk a little bit about cylinders and how they interact with barrels. Your cylinder has a little hole in it that's referred to as a port. Whether or not your cylinder is ported or not, and the size of the porting, affects what sort of barrel length you can operate. So a stock M4 comes with a ported cylinder that's sort of optimally functional with a 363mm uh, barrel. If you go put a 509mm M16 barrel in that, you will probably see a little bit of a range upgrade. You probably will also get the feel that you're being a little more accurate, that you have a tighter grouping. But mechanically, you're not using that barrel to anything resembling full effect. And that's because the port in the cylinder limits the amount of air that's actually being compressed, like the volume of air that's being compressed, right? Yeah, absolutely. So the cylinder porting determines the amount of uh, airflow that's being fired out of your nozzle, running your BB through your barrel. The longer barrel requires a greater volume of air to be fully utilized. So one way to think of your barrel is as a cylinder, right? And if you've done geometry in school, you'll know that there, there's a certain amount of volume that a cylinder contains. Well, your cylinder will create a certain amount of volume of compressed air that will then fill your barrel. And if there's not enough volume to fill your entire barrel because it's very long, then your BB will actually start losing speed before it actually exits your gun. Conversely, if you're putting too much volume through a shorter barrel, so let's say you have a, a non-ported cylinder that's you know creating a lot of volume of compressed air and your barrel is really short, you're over-voluming. So you're creating more volume than is actually required, which you know has its own set of problems as well. What you end up with is if you're trying to use a long barrel and running it with too little air, you're not getting the functionality that you've paid for, right? 
So if you spent the $100 to get a 509mm uh, type bore, then you're not getting what that can deliver. And that's problematic. So as an example, right, my primary rifle is very accurized. It's, um, it's built around being a long range sort of DMR engagement platform insofar as you can do that in Airsoft. But I'm running a uh, AK length barrel with a non-ported cylinder because that gives pretty much the best performance metrics I can uh, while keeping the barrel length not um, egregious which is the next thing we're going to talk about. So yeah, if you're wanting to get more range and accuracy out of your airsoft gun, the common thought is, well, I need to get a longer barrel and a tighter barrel and just slap that in my gun. And as we've seen, that's really only one part of that system, right? And in fact, you know, as we talked about a bit last episode, if you get the right barrel length for your cylinder, a better hop-up rubber that's giving you a slightly better air seal, a better hop-up bucking, just that, will probably work better than just slapping an M16 length barrel in your M4, you know, in almost every circumstance, right? Not to mention the fact that you won't have, you know, a foot of barrel poking out of the front of your M4, <laughs> which is another separate issue. So you're you're buying a Prometheus barrel because it's, you know, for our money, it's the best barrel in the market. You're going to slap that in your gun, but you haven't looked at your hop-up. You haven't looked at your cylinder. You haven't looked at your piston. You haven't looked at your spring. You just spent 80 bucks Canadian on a Prometheus barrel, and it's going to give you about $40 worth of performance. And it's also worth noting here, like, especially if you are the kind of person who's mechanically inclined and you're willing to go put in the time to learn how to open your gearbox up yourself, so you're not paying a gun tech to do it for you, your cylinder, your piston your piston head, like your entire air seal parts, your new spring, your hop up, everything but the barrel is also going to cost you around $80. And you will get substantially better metrics out of doing those components. It's not as easy. It definitely requires uh, more technical skill and more practice. But the performance you will get is substantially superior in terms of getting a tighter grouping, which is really what most people are looking for. If you have to choose between, or at least if I have to choose between having 10 feet of extra range on my airsoft gun, or having the first or second shot I fire hit every time I pull that trigger, absolutely, I will take the consistency. I will take the grouping. But just shoving a 509mm type bore barrel, even if it's a Prometheus, they're, they're great barrels, but it's not going to get you that effect. And so I do recommend it as, a, uh, as an early upgrade for your gun, getting a type bore barrel, because they're relatively affordable and you don't have to crack the gearbox. And a lot of people find cracking the gearbox intimidating. But as we were talking about last episode, there's no magic fairy dust in your gearbox. It's not magic, it's a machine. You can learn how to repair it, how to upgrade it, how to work with it. So you don't need to be afraid to crack that open. There's so much on YouTube about how to do this. I mean, we have a video that I reference all the time before I go to crack my gearbox. And I always, whenever I work on my gearbox, I do that under adult supervision, which is to say I've got Pat there to, to make sure that, you know, I'm doing things in the correct order and I'm not, you know, making any big mistakes. But really, it's not that complicated. Once you are familiar with your gearbox, especially like it's one thing if you want to be a gun doctor and work on all different kinds of guns, fair enough. But like once you've cracked your gearbox open and you've done it a few times, you get very familiar with how to do it. And just the other day, we were able to, you know, take my gun, completely take it down, open the gearbox, clean it, lube it, put it all back, put some upgrades in it and put it back together. And it took us just under an hour. Yeah, right? I think it was about 45 minutes. So it's not some sort of magical voodoo process like we've said before. You know, if you're mechanically inclined or you're the kind of person who can like watch a YouTube tutorial and then go do it, you can totally do it yourself. I do occasionally pray to the Loa before I start working on an airsoft gun, um, but it's mostly I'll take whatever help I can get with some of the stuff my friends do to their guns. So yeah, it's not a process that you need to be afraid of, 
right? It's a process that, yes, you, you know, sometimes you will screw it up. But the nice thing about airsoft guns is that generally speaking, if you're, if you put the gearbox together wrong, the answer is it locks up. It doesn't shoot. It just, you pull the trigger and you get a sad thunking noise. That's disheartening, but that won't break your gears, right? That's not going to damage your gun most of the time, which means, yeah, it might take you a couple of tries to get it working exactly how you want. In fact, it almost certainly will take you a couple unless you're really mechanically gifted. But hey, it's not hard to do. And I, I feel the urge to note, I'm not really mechanically gifted, you know, like I started doing tech work because there was no one here who could repair one of my guns. Uh, I bought a TMP90, it stopped working. And I was just like, well, I have two options. I can throw my $600 toy gun in the garbage or I can learn how to fix it. And it definitely took some trial and error. The P90 was actually a really good platform to begin gun teching on. It's not the most common gearbox, but the gearbox comes out of the gun really, really easily. And that definitely uh, made that an easier thing to approach. So to wrap that up, like we've said, if you're looking to improve the accuracy of your gun, you know, you definitely want to look at your air seal parts and that includes the barrel, but it includes a whole lot of other stuff. And if you're doing the upgrade yourself, then highly recommend that you learn how to do that. It's, you know, it can be a lot of fun. It can be frustrating, but ultimately it's also very rewarding. But if you're going to a gun doctor or a gun tech and saying, hey, I want to be more accurate, I want to have more range, you should be asking them to work on your air seal parts just as much as throwing a longer barrel or type bore barrel or Prometheus barrel in your gun. And as we talked about last episode, right, you should be expecting them to say, hey, these are the parts you probably want to be looking at. Likewise, if you have questions about this, we're available on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on YouTube. Toss us a message. I will happily talk you through whatever I can. Our videos do have a parts list. Like we do have stuff done up that's sort of like, yeah, these are the parts we probably recommend you would put into a gun. They're definitely not the only parts that will get you good performance or necessarily the best parts. They're just the ones we find work great for us. We're happy to help. The other part that comes with upgrading your barrel is especially if you're changing barrel length. So we've talked about sort of uh, overvoluming if you go from a really long barrel to a shorter barrel. We've talked about uh, undervoluming if you go from a really short barrel to a really long barrel. But there's also the ergonomics of it, right? So if you take your gun and it's, let's say you have a Mark 18, for example, which, you know, uh, like a shorter M4 platform. Which is something that both of us have run. So you've got a Mark 18 and you're saying, okay, well, I want more range and accuracy. So you slap a 509 millimeter barrel in there up from the standard, like 300 millimeter or whatever it is in a Mark 18. Well, suddenly you have a gun that has a barrel that's 20 centimeters longer than the rail and the flash hider are actually built for. So what do you do with that extra 20 centimeters at the front of your gun? I mean, this is obviously an exaggeration, but it do, could be... Do not run it as is. Uh, do not bang that off of things. It's not going to be good for your gear. <laughs> totally. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, like I said, I mean, it, it's probably not going to be 200 millimeters. Like 20 centimeters is quite long, but it could easily be, you know, five, 10 centimeters. It could be, you know, a couple inches, whatever that is. And you've got that protruding at the end of your gun. And, and like Patrick was saying, if you decide to go to a game with your inner barrel sticking out of your gun, you're just asking to get that inner barrel at the very least full of all kinds of garbage. But more likely than not, have it dinged up, bent out of shape and damaged. And then suddenly you have a barrel that is firstly, that only comes out of your gun one direction and two is no longer usable. So you have to replace it. And as we keep harping on, it's a system. So if that inner barrel that's out way too long gets knocked, it can knock back into your hop up unit and damage significantly more than just the barrel. So you really do not want to have unprotected barrel hanging out outside of your flash hider. 
for sure. So what's the typical solution that people do? Either if you have a bit of extra money, you might decide to put a new rail on your gun. Now that could be a video on its, on its own because putting new rails on certain airsoft guns sometimes requires some destruction. In some cases they come off fine. I'll always uh, pause for a minute before the sentence. All right, I'm gonna go get the angle grinder. Yeah, for sure. So some people will throw on a new rail, but if you don't have that kind of money lying around, maybe you don't replace your rail completely, but you might throw on a barrel extension, right? That'll protect your inner barrel a bit more, and then you screw on a small flash hider at the front, or you decide to use a suppressor. That's a really common thing that you, you see in airsoft. You have a suppressor on your gun, and when they screw it off, there's an inner barrel sticking out for a couple inches. I'd, I'd in fact say that's probably the most common use of suppressors on airsoft rifles is Man, I really need to hide a couple of inches of outer barrel here that I'm using to get more accuracy or more reach, or maybe that you're using erroneously and that you don't actually need to get more accuracy or reach that you've put in there by accident. You do get people using them for other features, and we'll probably talk about that at some point later. So now you have a gun that is several centimeters, several inches probably longer than what you had before, and that poses ergonomic challenges for some people, especially if your gun is very long and you are relatively short. So for example, when I decided to move on from my second airsoft gun, which was an SR-16, I we picked up a, a SCAR, it was a G&G SCAR, uh, the first generation of them, and you know, that's that's a whole video in and of itself, that SCAR saw a lot of stuff, but one thing it did see... <laughs> oh God, the things. Yes. Yeah, one thing it did see is, you know, at the time I was very much thinking, okay, well, I want the most accuracy, the most range possible. So I slapped, you know, the biggest spring I could I could get, and I got the longest barrel I could have, and I then screwed on a suppressor. And what ended up happening is that I had an M4 length rifle that also had probably, I'm gonna say it was like 10 or 12 centimeters long, the suppressor was. Oh yeah, absolutely. It was, it was quite large, right? So I had a very long rifle, and I've said this before on other videos and on, on the podcast, but I'm not a really tall dude. I'm 160 something centimeters, like I'm five foot six, five foot seven. And so I had this really long rifle, and that posed a couple of different problems. So firstly, it was very hard for me to actually hold and manipulate that rifle effectively because at arm's length, I was still not grabbing the rifle as far forward as I can. There was still a lot of extension on the front. And as we talk about in some of our other videos, you really always want to grab the rifle as far forward as you can because that gives you the most control when you're transitioning targets and stuff. For uh, for people's sort of frame of reference, right? Uh, I'm six foot two. Uh, I more accurately resemble an orangutan than uh, a human being some days, uh, especially early in the morning. And at the same time that Phil was rocking this, I was rocking a full-length M16, and I think my gun was actually a little shorter than Phil's. Right, and the, the consequence of that for me is that it actually, and I didn't, I didn't realize this until many years later, but it actually really impeded me on the field. Having that longer barrel made it hard for me to manipulate the rifle around cover. It meant that it was difficult for me when I was going through the woods because I had this this extension uh, in front of me, that was foot and a half or you know whatever, and it meant that I didn't have good control over my barrel, over my muzzle. And ultimately, it was as much of a help as it was a hindrance to have all that extra barrel. You know, and I want to stress here, like I built that gun. Uh, it was very accurate. It was an excellent long range within airsoft tolerances rifle. Um, it's just not a rifle that was ergonomically useful for the person carrying it. And I didn't even realize it at the time. I thought, yep, this is a really accurate rifle. This is what I want. It has enough range to reach out and touch someone. It's very powerful. This is exactly what I want. But at the end of the day, when you look at my play style, 
I didn't need that range. I didn't need that long barrel because I was the kind of guy, and I still am, who likes to fight sort of closer to the front. I like to be pushing. I'd rather not stay behind. I'd rather push forward. I like to push the objective and all this kind of stuff. And that meant that most of the targets that I was engaging were within that 50 meters, 40 meters, uh, 150, 120 feet. Even though my gun could reach out to 200 feet, I never used that extra 50 feet of range or very, very seldom. And I didn't run a magnified optic. And realistically, I don't think there's a single airsoft player who doesn't want their gun to be accurate out to 300 feet. But practically speaking, if that has nothing beneficial for your playstyle, right, if you're if you are already getting a really tight grouping, you're getting first round hits at 50 feet, 100 feet, but you're only ever engaging at 50 to 100 feet you take like 2% of your shots at 300 feet, those 2% probably don't matter for the majority of the airsoft games you're going to play. Yeah, especially if the rest of the time you're being hampered by the long size of your rifle, not being able to manipulate around cover. That is much more impactful than the 2% of shots that you're now making at that longer range, right? Absolutely. And it's this funny thing where I like really small guns a lot. But there were points where, you know, if, if I trade off with Phil and I took that rifle, I was very effective with it. Um, and Phil could take literally the P90 that I was running and go, yeah, this is fantastic for what I want to be doing. But part of the reason we're talking about this today is that it took both of us a long while to realize that maybe we are not thinking about this in the correct way, or at least in the way that would help us do what we want to do. It works in the reverse too. Like, so we've talked about me, short guy, using a long gun, but the reverse also is something to consider. If you're a really tall guy, if you're like like Pat and you're a bit of an orangutan, you got long arms, you got big hands, and you're using a little tiny gun, that also poses its own ergonomic challenges. So even you can get a P90 because it has a pretty long barrel. You, you can get a P90 to be pretty accurate at range. You, you can slap a longer range barrel in there. You can do a lot to the air seal. You could make it very consistent, but if the ergonomics of the rifle, or in this case, the submachine gun, or whatever you want to call it, don't work for you, that's also problematic. Yeah, so I mean, the P90, because it's a bullpup rifle, actually has, I think, a 363, so a, an M4 length barrel inside of it. You can make it pretty close to an M4 in terms of accuracy very, very easily. But at the end of the day, I had to hunch over and like cripple my spine to get down on that in a normal shooting posture, let alone in any kind of, you know, trying to be in cover. And frankly, I might as well have been dual wielding them for all the good that the gun was doing me in terms of like a, my ability to shoot it accurately. Absolutely. So on the one hand, you've got, I want to have a longer barrel in my gun. You want to think about the ergonomics of how that gun is actually going to work for you on the field. And ultimately, what you might find is you will have to find a comfortable middle ground. So looking back on my experience, I had that really long scar and I was like, well, after a while, this isn't really working. I need to think about changing. So I went from the scar L with the suppressor, etc., to a shorter GNP VLTOR, which is a, like a CQB M4. And then from that to a Mark 18, which is an even shorter CQB style M4 platform. And that was probably too far the other way for me because I had a short barrel in there and I had a Prometheus and it was pretty accurate, but it still wasn't giving me sort of the consistency and accuracy that I really needed. So even though, yes, you're right, like I'm engaging targets at shorter ranges, I still wanted to be able to reach out effectively to 120 feet, 150 feet. And I just wasn't really capable of that. So now I've actually moved on to a regular M4 length 
platform. So I've got a GMP Mott's rifle. Uh, it's got a full length rail on it. And I find that with the good fundamentals that we were practicing over the last couple of years, I can really effectively wield that. It doesn't hold me back. I can utilize it around cover, no problem. I can transition, no problem. I can grip it basically all the way at the front without overextending or hyperextending my elbows. It's a really good size and it allows me to do everything I need to do and also to have the kind of range and accuracy that I really prize and especially consistency that I really want out to 120, 150 feet. Meanwhile, because like I said, there's, there are lessons here to be learned for the bigger dudes out here too. I started out with, uh, with the GNG Scar, exactly the same model that uh, Phil was running. It's the first gun I bought. He got me an Airsoft. I thought his was cool. It's a great gun, used it for many years. Then I bought a P90 and the P90 was super fun. I'm a big Stargate fan. That's I will completely cop to where I got that. Yep, yep. But it was completely useless for me simply because it did not fit my frame at all. Right? I had to bend my shoulder blades in to get down on it. So from there, I went to an M16. So from there, I went to a Classic Army M16 because I wanted the longest barrel I could get in my gun. Sound familiar? And I, uh, I built it, I upgraded it, I put the wrong piston porting into it because I was too new at this to know exactly what I was doing with it. And I, I did get a gun that had great reach, but as tall a guy as I am, I did go back and I think about four years later, swap that over to a M4 length barrel and ran a uh, M4 with a grenade launcher on it for five years. I loved that rifle. Fantastic. It had not all the reach that you could ever conceivably want, but it worked great for most engagements. And I got a lot of joy out of the uh, 203. We'll probably talk about that in another episode at some point in more detail. Right now, I'm running a slightly elongated M4 platform with an AK length inner barrel in it that is very much a DMR because that's my playstyle. Because I do prefer to be back and provide Overwatch and cover my teammates and carry their stuff. <laughs> So one thing I do want to mention for the bigger guys out there, the taller guys, there are things you can do with that to take advantage of it that don't necessarily involve building a rifle nine feet long and waving it around. So you can look at M16 platforms, M14 platforms, run a longer gun. You'll find it pretty comfortable and you'll almost always find it pretty accurate. I recently bought a stock ICS M1 Grand and it shoots far better than I was expecting out of the box. And it's probably just because it's got the right cylinder porting and a long barrel. But look at LMGs, look at longer, heavier rifles. And if you're like me and you go, man, MP7s are super cool. And then you put your gigantic hands on them and you're like, hmm, there is literally no real estate left on this gun. It's all hands now. Maybe don't buy one. Maybe be smarter than me and don't buy a P90, right? Yeah, or, you know, buy it for fun, but understand that it's going to be a collection piece or a wall hanger. It's not necessarily going to be an effective tool for you when you're actually playing yourself in a game that really matters to you, right? Like totally. a Wilson or something. And, you know, like, that's a thing that's really relevant here. I have a couple of different guns. If I'm going out with my team to play a game which they feel and that I feel is super important, I'm going to rock my M4. If we're going out to a random, you know, Saturday afternoon game, I'll bring the Grand or the Thompson. Or both. Yeah, absolutely, or both. Just to wrap it up, the last thing we wanted to bring up about how airsofters sort of wield their airsoft rifles, especially when they're much longer, is you see a lot of airsofters holding the magwell or they're holding the rail as, you know, as close to the magwell as possible. And yeah, there's, there's a case to be to be made, you know, people say, oh, well, real militaries grab the magwell and all this kind of stuff. Fair enough. Like, I'm not going to have the arg argument with people. But what I will tell you is that the further you can grip your rail towards the front, 
the more leverage you actually have on your airsoft rifle. And that makes it a lot easier to transition your targets. It makes it a lot easier for you to control your muzzle. It makes it a lot easier for you to just use your airsoft gun. So if your rail is so long that you can't actually grip it towards the front, that's when we would really recommend you start thinking about, okay, is this the right length of gun for me? Or do I need something that is shorter? If you find yourself constantly pushing your stock as far in as you can in order to be able to get a purchase on the front of your gun, insofar as possible, you really want to start thinking about, is this the right length of gun for me? Use somebody else's gun and see if that works better. If they've got a shorter gun, maybe they have a longer gun, whatever the case is, give it a shot and see how that works for you. Because you might find, oh wow, this is actually way more comfortable. Always take advantage of the fact that airsofters in general want to show off their cool toys, right? Strangely to me, but like one of the most comfortable guns I've ever used for a couple of games was an RPK because I'm a big guy and I can handle it really comfortably. But I would never have thought that it would be a gun that I would find comfortable or enjoyable to use. And it's definitely on my list of things I'd like to buy if it wouldn't make my team angry. So guys, what we really want to leave you with is the notion that if you're looking at upgrading your barrel length in order to improve your accuracy, you really need to consider both the mechanical aspects of it and the ergonomics. Is this right for my gun? And is it right for me? Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Next time, we're going to be wrapping up this conversation on gearbox parts by talking about gears, trigger units, motors, and how important bushings actually are? Question mark? They're important. But until then, we got nothing else for you. Thanks for joining us. See you later.